Section 10 of Volsunga Saga. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Volsunga Saga by Anonymous. Translated by Erika Magnusson and William Morris. Section 10. Chapter 33. Now so it is, that whoso heareth these tidings, saith that no such an one as was Sigurd was left behind him in the world. Nor ever was such a man brought forth because of all the worth of him. Nor may his name ever minish by eld in the Dutch tongue, nor in all the northern lands, while the world standeth fast. The story tells that on a day, as Gudrun sat in her bower, she fell to saying, Better was life in those days when I had Sigurd, he who is far above other men as gold is above iron, or the leek over other grass of the field, or the heart over other wild things. Until my brethren begrudged me such a man, the first and best of all men, and so they might not sleep or they had slain him. Huge clamor made Grani when he saw his master and lord sore wounded. And then I spoke to him, even as with a man, but he fell drooping down to the earth, for he knew that Sigurd was slain. Thereafter Gudrun gat her gone into the wild woods, and heard on all ways round about her the howling of wolves, and deemed death a merrier thing than life. Then she went till she came to the hall of King Alf, and sat there in Denmark with Thora, the daughter of Haukon, for seven seasons, and abode with good welcome. And she set forth her needlework before her, and did thereinto many deeds and great and fair plays after the fashion of those days, swords and burnies, and all the gear of kings, and the ship of King Sigmund sailing along the land. Yea, and they wrought there how they fought, Sigar and Sigir, south in Fion. Such was their disport. And now Gudrun was somewhat solaced of her grief. So Grimhild comes to hear where Gudrun has taken up her abode. And she calls her sons to talk with her, and asks whether they will make atonement to Gudrun for her son and her husband, and said that it was but meet and right to do so. Then Gunnar spake, and said that he would atone for her sorrows with gold. So they sent for their friends, and array their horses, their helms, and their shields, and their burnies, and all their war-gear. And their journey was furnished forth in the noblest wise, and no champion who was of the great men might abide at home and their horses were clad in mail-coats, and every knight of them had his helm done over with gold or with silver. Grimhild was of their company, for she said that their errand would never be brought fairly to pass if she sat at home. There were well five hundred men, and noble men rode with them. There was Valdemar of Denmark, and Amother, and Yarislaver withal. So they went into the hall of King Alf, and there abode them the Longbeards and Franks and Saxons. They feared with all their war-gear, and had over them red fur coats, even as the song says, Bernie's short-cut, strong helms hammered, girt with good swords, red hair gleaming. They were fain to choose good gifts for their sister, and spake softly to her, but in none of them would she trow. 
Then Gunnar brought unto her a drink mingled with hurtful things, and this she must needs drink, and with the drinking thereof she had no more memory of their guilt against her. But in that drink was blended the might of the earth and the sea with the blood of her son, and in that horn were all letters cut and reddened with blood, as is said hereunder. On the horn's face were there all the kin of letters, cut aright and reddened. How should I read them rightly? The lingfish long of the land of Hodding, wheat ears unshorn, and wild things inwards. In that beer were mingled many ills together, blood of all the wood and brown burnt acorns, the black dew of the hearth, the god-doomed dead beasts inwards, and the swine's liver sodden, because all wrongs that deadens. And so now, when their hearts are brought nigh to each other, great cheer they made. Then came Grimhild to Gudrun, and spake, All hail to thee, daughter! I give thee gold, and all kinds of good things to take to thee after thy father, dear-bought rings, and bedgear of the maids of the Huns, the most courteous and well-dight of all women, and thus is thy husband atoned for. And thereafter shalt thou be given to Otli, the mighty king, and be mistress of all his might. Cast not all thy friends aside for one man's sake, but do according to our bidding. Gudrun answers, Never will I wed Otli the king. Unseemly it is for us to get offspring betwixt us. Grimhild says, Nourish not thy wrath. It shall be to thee as if Sigurd and Sigmund were alive when thou hast borne sons. Gudrun says, I cannot take my heart from thoughts of him, for he was the first of all men. Grimhild says, So it is shapen, that thou must have this king, and none else. Says Gudrun, Give not this man to me, for an evil thing shall come upon thy kin from him, and to his own sons shall he deal evil, and be rewarded with a grim revenge thereafter. Then waxed Grimhild fell at those words, and spake, Do even as we bid thee, and take therefore great honor and our friendship, and the steads withal called Vinbjörg and Valbjörg. And such might was in the words of her, that even so must it come to pass. Then Gudrun spake, Thus then must it needs befall, howsoever against the will of me, and for little joy shall it be, and for great grief. Then men leaped on their horses, and their women were set in wains. So they fared, four days a-riding, and other four a-shipboard, and yet four more again by land and road, till at the last they came to a certain high-built hall. Then came to meet Gudrun many folk thronging, and an exceedingly goodly feast was there made, even as the word had gone between either kin, and it passed forth in most proud and stately wise. And at that feast drinks Otley his bridle with Gudrun. But never did her heart laugh on him, and little sweet and kind was their life together. CHAPTER Thirty Four. Now tells the tale that on a night King Otley woke from sleep, and spake to Gudrun. Me dreamed, 
said he, that thou didst thrust me through with a sword. Then Gudrun reeded the dream, and said that it betokened fire, whenas folk dreamed of iron. It befalls of thy pride belike, in that thou deemest thyself the first of men. Otley said, Moreover, I dreamed that here waxed two sorb-tree saplings, and fain I was that they should have no scathe of me. Then these were riven up by the roots, and reddened with blood, and borne to the bench, and I was bidden eat thereof. Yea, yet again I dreamed that two hawks flew from my hand hungry and unfed, and fared to hell, and meseemed their hearts were mingled with honey, and that I ate thereof. And then again I dreamed that two fair whelps lay before me, yelling aloud, and that the flesh of them I ate, though my will went not with the eating. Gudrun says, No wise good are these dreams, yet shall they come to pass. Surely thy sons are nigh to death, and many heavy things shall fall upon us. Yet again I dreamed, said he, and methought I lay in a bath, and folk took counsel to slay me. Now these things wear away with time, but in no wise was their life together fond. Now falls Otley to thinking of where may be gotten that plenteous gold which Sigurd had owned, but King Gunnar and his brethren were lords thereof now. Otley was a great king and mighty, wise and a lord of many men, and now he falls to counsel with his folk as to the ways of them. He wotted well that Gunnar and his brethren had more wealth than any others might have, and so he falls to the reed of sending men to them, and bidding them to a great feast, and honoring them in diverse wise, and the chief of those messengers was hight Vingi. Now the queen wots of their conspiring, and misdoubts her that this would mean some beguiling of her brethren. So she cut runes, and took a gold ring, and knit therein a wolf's hair, and gave it into the hands of the king's messengers. Thereafter they go their ways according to the king's bidding, and, or ever they came aland, Vingi beheld the runes, and turned them about, in such wise as if Guthrun prayed her brethren in her runes to go meet King Otley. Thereafter they came to the hall of King Gunnar, and had good welcome at his hands, and great fires were made for them, and in great joyance they drank of the best of drink. Then spake Vingi, King Otley sends me hither, and is fain that ye go to his house and home in all glory, and take of him exceeding honors, helms and shields, swords and burnies, gold and goodly raiment, horses, hosts of war, and great and wide lands. For, saith he, he is fainest of all things to bestow his realm and lordship upon you. Then Gunnar turned his head aside and spoke to Hogni. In what wise shall we take this bidding? Might and wealth he bids us take, but no kings know I who have so much gold as we have, whereas we have all the hoard which lay once on Gnita Heath, and great are our chambers, and full of gold, and weapons for smiting, and all kinds of raiment of war, and well I wot that amidst all men my horse is the best, and my sword the sharpest, and my gold the most glorious. Hugni answers, 
A marvel is it to me of his bidding, for seldom hath he done in such a wise, and ill-counseled will it be to wend to him. Lo now, when I saw those dear-bought things the king sends us, I wondered to behold a wolf's hair knit to a certain gold ring. But like Guthrun deems him to be minded as a wolf towards us, and will have naught of our faring. But withal, Vingi shows him the runes which he said Guthrun had sent. Now, the most of folk go to bed, but these drank on still with certain others. And Kostbera, the wife of Hergni, the fairest of women, came to them and looked on the runes. But the wife of Gunnar was Glaumver, a great-hearted wife. So these twain poured out, and the kings drank, and were exceeding drunken. And Vingi notes it, and says, Not may I hide that King Otley is heavy of foot, and over-old for the warding of his realm. But his sons are young and of no account. Now will he give you rule over his realms, while they are yet thus young? And most fain will he be that ye have the joy thereof before all others. Now so it befell both that Gunnar was drunk, and that great dominion was held out to him. Nor might he work against the fate shapen for him. So he gave his word to go, and tells Hergni his brother thereof. But he answered, Thy word given must even stand now, nor will I fail to follow thee, but most loathe am I to this journey. Chapter 35 So when men had drunk their fill, they feared to sleep. Then falls Kostbera to beholding the runes and spelling over the letters, and sees that beneath were other things cut, and that the runes are guileful. Yet because of her wisdom she had skill to read them aright. So then she goes to bed by her husband. But when they awoke, she spake unto Hugni, Thou art minded to wend away from home. Ill-counseled is that. Abide till another time. Scarce a keen reader of runes art thou, if thou deemest thou hast beheld in them the bidding of thy sister to this journey. Lo, I read the runes, and had marvel of so wise a woman as Gudrun is, that she should have miscut them, but that which lieth underneath beareth your bane with it. Yea, either she lacked a letter, or others have dealt guilefully with the runes. And now hearken to my dream, for therein methought there fell in upon us here a river exceeding strong, and break up the timbers of the hall. He answered, Full after ye evil of mind, ye women, but for me I was not made in such wise as to meet men with evil, who deserve no evil, but like he will give us good welcome. She answered, Well, the thing must ye yourselves prove, but no friendship follows this bidding. But yet again I dreamed that another river fell in here with a great and grimly rush, and tore up the dais of the hall, and break the legs of both you brethren. Surely that betokeneth somewhat. He answers, Meadows along our way, whereas thou didst dream of the river. For when we go through the meadows, plentifully doth the seeds of the hay hang about our legs. Again I dreamed, she says, that thy cloak was afire, and that the flame blazed up above the hall, 
says he, Well, I wot what that shall betoken. Here lieth my fair-dyed raiment, and it shall burn and blaze when as thou dreamest of the cloak. Methought a bear came in, she says, and brake up the king's high seat, and shook his paws in such a wise that we were all adrad thereat, and he gat us all together into the mouth of him, so that we might avail us naught, and thereof fell great horror on us. He answered, Some great storm will befall, whereas thou hadst a white bear in thy mind. An urn, methought, came in, she says, and swept adown the hall, and drenched me and all of us with blood, and ill shall that betoken, for methought it was the double of King Otley. He answered, Full oft do we slaughter beasts freely, and smite down great neat for our cheer, and the dream of the urn has but to do with oxen. Yea, Otley is heart-whole toward us. And therewithal they cease this talk. End of section 10